take refuge in the Buddha, the one bright mind, I take refuge in the Dharma, teachings of truth, take refuge in the Sangha, those who embody wisdom and compassion. So we're doing the Mumon Khan, case number 26. There are 48 cases plus a little addition uh, in this series. And this one is um, two monks roll up the blinds. Now all the koans are intimate and practical. And they all are, are try to both express liberation and also um, help to give us a pointer for how to work with our own mind. And so the, pro the essence of all koans is looking directly right here, right now, at the nature of your own mind. Every single person here is aware. Every single person here has some clarity about their life. It, is, it comes with the territory. You know, they're, they're, even in physics they talk about space and time and consciousness. Consciousness being the essential element. No consciousness, nothing else. So each of us is conscious. Each of us has awareness. And that right there is the foundation of all practice. And the next foundation of practice is a clear mind. So, if we think about what is the greatest gift we can receive and we can give, the ability to have a clear, bright, calm mind in all kinds of circumstances is a wonderful, a wonderful gift. You know, our culture thinks that if we have certain external things, if we have money, <coughs> and you know, we all know all the research says that the more money you have, the happier you are not. There is a, a certain level of, of, of poverty above which everybody is much happier. Cultures who are impoverished tend to not be very happy. Once they have an adequate amount of food, and can some, have some medical care, then there's a pretty low baseline. So, more money doesn't necessarily equal happiness beyond that basic level. I mean, we could all say, you know, I could use $100,000 or $10,000 or $1,000, depending upon our particular scale, but, you know, we pay some bills and upgrade our transportation, and then we forgot about the whole thing already. A few hours or a few weeks. So money disappears, the things money can buy will disappear, everything you can exchange for it. You know, you get a mortgage, you build, get a new house, you enjoy the pleasure of that, and then before you know it, all the bills come in, and the taxes come in, and things start falling apart, and you're a home moaner instead of a homeowner. And as we all know, stuff, we all are, pro are probably filled with stuff Every single person's house is probably filled with stuff, or if it's not currently, it has been, and if it's not currently, it probably will be. You know, the more space you have, the more stuff you end up putting in. That's at least that's our culture at this point. And then all that stuff breaks down and becomes obsolete and becomes old. And exciting trips become distant memories just as soon as they're over. And all those things that our culture just keeps saying, this is going to do it, this is going to do it, this is going to do it. We've tried over and over again to find beyond uh, a certain basic level. All the outside stuff 
doesn't lead to satisfaction, doesn't lead to happiness. Even the perfect partner, you know, believe it or not, they have a shadow. Even the perfect partner becomes irritating or gets ill or departs. So that's, this is the first foundation of Dharma, the first foundation of a clear mind is all joys change, all sorrows change, all sadness changes. No matter what we do or where we go, no matter how we try to control our mind, no matter how calm or how quiet it is, no matter how much we've got our environment under control, it's going to change. We all know, we keep hearing this over and over. Pains depart, pleasures depart, people like us, people don't like us, we're distressed, we're happy, something good happens, something bad happens, somebody comes, somebody goes. And what happens with most of us, many people in our culture, maybe not particularly this particular group, is they're just flopped around, just flopped around. You know, something good today, something bad tomorrow, something good today, something bad tomorrow, and they go up and they go down and they're excited and they're depressed and, and there's no stability. You become successful and then you have all the problems of success. So, the good side is no matter how dark the night, the morning always comes. You know, it's the good side of it. No matter how difficult something is, something easier is on the way. Okay? In Buddhism, we call this the, the eight worldly winds, the 80 worldly winds, the winds that are just constantly blowing through. It is impossible to have only pleasure, to have only pain, to have only success, to have only loss, to have only gain. It is impossible to have those things. It is the nature of things. No matter what we do, it's going to go up and down. No matter what we do, we're going to have good days and bad days. No matter how stupid we are, no matter how intelligent we are, there's all these vacillations of coming and going, good and bad. So the koan we're working on today is another way, is about pointing out another way where we are not at the mercy of the vicissitudes of life. They are going to come. Anybody who's in chronic pain knows if you look carefully at the chronic pain and not the story about the chronic pain, there are better days and worse days. There are times that it's not a problem and times that it is a problem. That's just a given. Okay. So the greatest gift we can actually have in part of what comes from practice is the ability <coughs> to have a calm, equitable, bright, clear, satisfied, open mind. Because that calm, clear, equitable, satisfied, open mind will serve us whether things are up or down, whether they're going our direction or not our direction, whether we're coming into being or departing from being. So this is what, this, this is what practice has as its foundation, is the ability to hold it all. You know, we are normally in our culture, we keep thinking, if I just cut out part of myself, if I just cut out the inner critic, if I just cut out the things the inner critic doesn't like, then everything would be okay. But it doesn't happen that way. If I just got rid of these thoughts, kept those thoughts, it doesn't happen that way. So part of practice is about how do we hold a big mind? 
And that's what this particular koan is about. So this koan, two monks rolling up a blind, is very... <coughs> uh, let's see which one do I want to use? A very nice, very simple, very straightforward koan. Case 26, Fai Yin. Two monks roll up the blinds. The case. And in the Mumon Khan, there's a case, a commentary, and a verse. And then usually a little Taisho, a Dharma talk about them. So the case is, the great Fa Yin of Qingliang took the high seat before the midday meal to preach to his assembly. Raising his hand, he pointed to the bamboo blinds. Two monks went and rolled them up in the same manner. Fa Yin said, one gains, one loses. One's got it, one doesn't have it. That's the whole koan. So this guy's sitting up front, he points to the windows over there, you know, Kodo and Chowan both jump up and roll the blinds up and one of them's got it, one of them doesn't have it. So the, the commentary on that, Mumon says, tell me, which one gained? Which one lost? If you have the single eye regarding this, you will see where the national teacher of Qing Liang failed that is, Fa Yin failed. But I must warn you strictly against arguing gain and loss. Kind of a double bind. He failed, but don't argue. Don't say he lost or gained. The verse. When they are rolled up by the great, the great sky is bright and clear. But, when the great, but the great sky still does not match our way, our path of practice. Why don't you throw away that sky completely? then not a breath of wind will come through. So, now, with all the koans, in a way they sound esoteric and weird, sometimes, sometimes they sound very simple and straightforward, but the foundation is clear, bright, inclusive mind. So whether the koan is talking about being in the highest peak of wisdom or the koan is talking about being in the shrubbery or talking about raising the blinds or, or whatever, it's always about the, the, the clear, bright, all-inclusive mind. So this too is about the clear, bright, all-inclusive mind and it's about our clear, bright, all-inclusive mind. And it's about how do we look right here, right now at each thing and hold it in the same, same warm and kindly eye. So, um, nope, wrong one. Usually I don't read much from the uh, commentaries, but I thought this one was, was appropriate background to this very straightforward, simple koan. Fa Yin is revered as the last great founder of Tang Dynasty Buddhism. And his was the school, was the fifth of the five principles and traditions. His dates are 885 to 958. 
which is a little after the Tang Dynasty um, declined. So when he was in training, when Fa Yin was in training, this is the part we wanted to read. He was talking to his teacher and he said he was going to leave the monastery and go traveling. And so his teacher said, what's your journey? Where are you going? And Fa Yin said, well, I'm going on a pilgrimage. I'm going to travel around. His teacher said, well, what do you expect from such a pilgrimage? What do you think, what think, what do you think is going to happen? And he said, I don't know. And then his teacher said, not knowing is the most intimate. Not knowing is most intimate. So here's this koan. Two people are adjusting the windows. One's got it, one doesn't have it. And not knowing is the most intimate. Now, it's important that in all of our lives that we really see people in action. Regardless of what we are doing, regardless of what our particular role is, you know, the people we work with reveal themselves. People who, who greet people. People who, you see how people are when they, when they walk, how they treat guests, how they treat their pets, their partners. People reveal themselves by their actions. So in a way, this particular koan is about people revealing themselves. We reveal ourselves. Now, it's interesting that the, uh, the research clearly shows that we cannot read emotions by what's going on in people's faces. You can be smiling happily and be plotting someone's demise. You can be smiling happily and thinking about the new puppy that you're going to get. You can be smiling happily and, you know, because you had a good bowel movement. I mean, you know, you, you, what goes on in people's faces is not, does not necessarily reflect what really is going on in their mind. Somebody could be scowling and we interpret it all according to what our, our projection is. And it may be that they just have a twinge in their back or that they're, somebody said something really unkind to them and they're remembering that. We can't really predict that. Can't really, we can't really tell from our, despite our training, that we, we kind of think we read everybody, you know. But really what reveals people to people is how we act. The Buddha says you can't know somebody until you actually have, have been with them for a long time, until you've seen them in difficult circumstances, until you have watched them, you know, meet different kind of challenges, until you've watched them under stress. And then you begin seeing, oh, it's what people do with their hands and their bodies and their hearts. The words that come out of their mouth is much more revealing than actually how they happen to look. Even though we have a, a cultural uh, moray of trying to look good on the surface, and we somehow think by looking good on the surface we're equally good inside, but it doesn't work that way. It's what people are doing with their hands. So this koan, two, two people are working on the windows. One has it, one doesn't. Each person is revealing themselves. We all reveal ourselves by how we walk down the stairs, by how we greet. So part of the koan is everyone reveals themselves. All of us are revealing ourselves each time we interact. And of course, 
the more we interact with people, the more we engage with them, the more we know people, the deeper our depth of experience is with them. And so when, you know, I come up and talk to Sojin, I've, you know, we've been interacting for 20 years. And so the, that all that history is, is present there, which is different than how it looks on the surface. Okay? So that's one part of this koan, is we're not just looking at the surface of things. Second part of this koan is, well, if someone says to us, oh, you know, you are just so wonderful, or someone says to us, oh, you are just such a schlub, someone says to us, oh, you are obviously, you know, out of it completely, or someone says to us, oh, you're fantastic, how do we respond to all these things? All of us know, we've all had a lot of experience with people, that people say all kinds of things to us. If you, if sometimes we have our neighbors here and they'll, they'll say wonderful things to me as I walk back and forth or they'll say nasty things to me or they'll call me things or else they'll come out and chat with me. I get everything. So the next part of this koan is, well, people do say things like that to us all the time. Oh, you're so great. Oh, you're so lousy. Oh, you know, the, the inner critic and the outer judge are, are just always there. Praise and blame, praise and blame, loss and gain. So the next part of this koan is, well, do we have a clear, bright mind? Do we have equanimity? Even though somebody says, you know, oh, I like you, I don't like you. That's the next part of this koan, is here are these two people up in front of this whole group of people and looking at them saying, oh, obviously, you know, Kodo is wonderful and Choan is second rate. Well, does that stir you up? Or does it say, oh yeah, okay. Just the way it is, no big deal. Temporary, not a conclusion. So that's part of this koan is see how do people respond to these kind of challenges of life. And part of our practice, our practice right here, right now, is to find the stability, the equanimity, the centeredness that allows good things, hard things, challenging things, all to happen. So that means that we have an inclusive mind that says the world is made up of you know, all kinds of stuff. I have the ability to, to greet it all. I have the ability to, to greet it all. It all comes from the same source, no matter, no matter what it looks like on the surface. So that's the next part of this koan is, can I develop and have enough depth of mind that I can greet whatever comes my way and not be thrown off by it. So that's part of what this koan is about. How do we, how do we demonstrate that to people? How do we test and find, find that out about people? You know? So part of that is, part of this koan is, how are we not at the mercy of our thoughts? We can think anything. There is nothing we can't think, absolutely nothing. The highest, deepest, wisest, greatest, and the lowest, stupidest, most degrading, most perverse. We can think anything. So the next part of this koan is, well, how are we, how are we free and we don't get caught by the thoughts that come into our mind? We don't get caught by, oh, 
the, the thought of the inner critic, oh, you are just, you know, so horrible, you're so degraded, you can't, you can't even give a decent talk, you, you worry all the time, whatever our critic says. To be able to say, oh yeah, there you go, just word, just thoughts, just going through. So that's the next part of this koan is, whatever happens, it's just a thought. Okay. I can pay attention to it and say, yeah, I think I'm going to improve my behavior a little bit, or we can just say, yeah, okay. Random thought, go through. One of the things that we're going to be doing later on this year is um, work with uh, Byron Katie will be here uh, in September for a little one-day show, if you know who that is. And she has a very nice way of working with whenever we get fixated on something, whenever we get stuck and think, this is the way things are. You can really, how do you examine our deluded view that we know how things are? That we have put things into a little box and think, oh, that's the way it really is. Because it's possible to actually prick our notions of solidity and stability. So yeah, there's, there's probability everywhere. It's really, it's really um, possible to look at something and say, is that really true? that really, really true? There might, are there four other ways of viewing this? Are there four other kinds of reality? No. Is it really true this is a book? Some cultures, this is firewood. <laughs> you know, this is tender. Some places, this is a, a, uh, something you stick under a chair to make it even. You know, our particular use, our particular function of it that we have is it's just a, a view, a very useful book. I happen to like them very much, but it's only a view. And so, you know, to actually take these things that we think are so real <coughs> and so, um, so controlling of who we are and to actually be able to say, you know, that's only a view. That's only a possibility. There is a deeper truth underneath that. So the next part of this coin is, what is the deeper truth that's underneath all of these vicissitudes? And the deeper truth that's here right now, that is aware, that's alert, that is your very own aware mind, which has no qualities of good or bad, has no qualities of right or wrong. Your hands, if you're inside your hands, your hands are not busy judging anything. They're just hands. And so there is a place of practice where the world is just the world. It's not falling apart. It's not coming together. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just the world. And to be able to hold the isness of things, we can then respond creatively. We can then respond um, appropriately. We can then respond in ways that are not stereotyped. One of the, I was listening to uh, Maizumi Roshi, the chosen as my primary teacher from the Zen Center of Los Angeles, and he was saying, one of the hallmarks of our particular teaching is it's not stereotype teaching. It's not, you know, here's the rule book and we're gonna apply this rule and this rule, but it's creative. It, it, it adapts itself. There are, there's a,
there's a, a, a little, in, in China, there were five, considered five schools of Buddhism. And they all had different kinds of flavors of teaching. So there was the Rinzai school, which, which Rinzai school is a very dynamic, uh, active, respond, you know, kind of thrust and response. They used to say that the Rinzai masters were like generals on the battlefield. And then there, the, there were the Sotos people, the, the Soto school. The Soto school was <coughs> noted for, for cultivating, like a garden, cultivating individual plants, paying attention and you know, watering them and nourishing them. And then there was another school which was noted for its elegance, that all the, the great Japanese arts and the great Chinese arts that were associated with Zen came out of that school, that, that the expression of Dharma was eloquent, was beautiful. It's another way of practice, another way of teaching. There's another school that is a, of the teachers all had a parental mind. So this particular school came from that, that somebody just pointed and the students and the teacher knew one another's minds so well that they knew what that pointing meant. It wasn't just an a imperious command, but it was something that there was a resonance, there was a harmony, they knew one another. It's a different way of, a different way of teaching and practicing. So there's, you know, different flavors of the way the Dharma is expressed. Mumon's comment, tell me which one gained, which one lost? If you have the single aria regarding this, you will see where the national teacher, Fa Yin, failed. So, you know, as we're working, if you're working on that for the koan, you have to, you have to look at this example and think, is there gain and loss in that? If somebody is pointing out and criticizing people, if somebody is correcting and not correcting, is, is that a failure on their part or is there some other truth that's in there? That's what it's asking about. But I warn you strictly against arguing about gain and loss. So that truth about correction, that truth about pointing out things is not necessarily about good and bad. That's what this is pointing to. And just the last little bit here. Woman's verse, Woman Khan's verse, Muwan's verse. When they are rolled up, the great sky is bright and clear. And he's talking about a state of mind, a state of mind that is bright and clear. The sky is always there, whether the blinds are out or not out. There's always spacious nature of bright, inclusive mind. Always, always, always. They're rolled up. Sometime we have insights and we see, we see that. And we can think, oh, that's pretty cool. But then he also says the great sky is not our path. It's not about getting something, having something. It's really seeing that Truth permeates everything. Truth permeates every cell, permeates every action, permeates every molecule. And to actually hold it all in the great bright mind of our own nature is what this is about. So, when you're working on any koan, the first thing to do is calm the mind, Look into the nature of mind. Find that place in you which is always there in the middle of the night. You're asleep. So it's right there. You know, you're walking down the street. It's right there. 
You're in a restaurant, it's right there, you're right here, it's right there. To be able to recognize what is always present. And it's not something that we have to chop away at because it's always present. So that's the, the foundation of this koan, all the other koans. And then of course if we're actually working on that koan and sanzen, you've got to actually, you've got to express and demonstrate and make it vivid and make it personal because the whole dharma is all about your life. It's not about some doctrine, it's not about some dogma. It's about how does this life with your hands, with your eyes, how does it express what is most intimate and most real? So, have fun. <laughs>